What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode 14. My name is James Scully. I apologize for the delay. It has been one month since I last put out a podcast. I work in media and publishing currently for four magazines as part of the art department, and sometimes it gets busy. And I had to focus on what is paying my bills at the moment. And I've had to reschedule a couple of interviews that I'm very much hoping to bring to you in the coming weeks. This month's topic is remembrance. That comes from the holiday Memorial Day. I'm going to push as much content forward towards the back half of this month as I possibly can to gear up for June's topic, which is closely tied to remembrance, just like remembrance is closely tied to growth. And if you haven't been paying uh, close attention to what our themes are, I can break it down for you really quickly. It's a life cycle, and in February, our theme, because of Valentine's Day, was vulnerability. In March, our theme, thanks to St. Patty's Day, was serendipity, which you can get in your life when allowing yourself to be vulnerable. April's was growth, because once you allow serendipity to happen, you grow from it. And this month, May, Remembrance, is based around Memorial Day, and it also tells us that once we're growing, it's important to remember who's paved the way for us, who's built the building that we're standing in, and our own life experiences. Because remember, the uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we've all been there from time to time. This podcast, as you'll notice, is much shorter than the previous podcasts that I've produced. And I've been wanting to figure out an alternate route to giving content into the world uh, when I don't have an interview lined up. I think it's completely pointless for me to come on here and talk for a half hour because how boring is that? I wouldn't want to listen to it. What would I talk about? But I've been thinking about uh, my ability to tell stories to you guys that are mixed fiction with fact, centered around the month's theme, and keep them to 5, 10, 15 minutes and have them be about a person or about a historic event or about something that is going on right now that we can all relate to and sink our teeth into. Today is going to be the first one of these podcasts, and um, it's a story that I've uh, had in my mind and been wanting to tell at an open mic or an improv for a few months, but here we go as, you know, one-take podcasts are somewhat similar. The experiment that I want to play with is whether we can get up on stage as a microcosm of our own lives with just bullet points in our head and not need to connect the dots with a script. We connect them through improvisation as we go. I've been to a few open mics in my life and I've noticed sometimes people will be up there singing or doing a bit and they'll say, oh man, I just messed that up. And I'm sitting there in the audience going, but you didn't need to tell me that. And not because it takes me out of the moment, but because I don't know what you're trying to do and you can just adapt on the fly. I remember uh, famed PBS painter that we've all known growing up if we've ever turned on a television between 1980 in 1995, Bob Ross, with the guy with the fro who painted the happy trees, he once said, there is no such thing as a mistake, only happy accidents. And that's very true. Everything is something to be learned from. The point of this would be to be able to tell you a story with the central characters in mind and bullet points that I have in my head to get the story from one place to the next, and uh, without having a script otherwise. If we can do something like that, I think that it would give us such confidence to be able to get up on stage regardless of the kind of event, be it at our own weddings, be it at a, a boardroom review, wherever it may be, and have the confidence that we are intelligent enough 
educated enough and vocally swift enough to think on our feet and create happiness in our own lives through our use of words and therefore build confidence. So today's story is about a famed author, although he's not famous yet in this story. He would go on to write some of the most famous detective novels of the 20th century. Except that he didn't think he was good enough to do so. We should have later found out, thanks to critical reviews by like the Los Angeles Times, who said that he wrote like a slumming angel, and I think that's quite accurate. His way with words was expressively brilliant. His ability to dissect a room with such detail but keep it flowery in language at the same time, and his ability to write high, hard-boiled fiction is absolutely astounding. I was thinking to myself earlier this week in the shower, and I, I think I'm not the only one who does this, thinks in the shower, that is, whether or not ambition is always based in insecurity, or can we have free-ranging ambition that is not tied to anything that we want to prove to anyone or ourselves, I'm frankly not sure of the answer of that, but I'm working on the solution. I think oftentimes in my life, a lot of my ambition has been tied to some sort of insecurity, whether it be the need to prove something to myself or to others who have um, either actually doubted me or through my own insecurities, I'm assuming doubt me. I think a lot of us have been in that position before, and often when we step back from that situation and we think about what truly motivates us, Insecurity isn't always the case. There is a desire to make something out of ourselves because that's what we could and should do in this world as well. So herewith is an account of a man desperate to make something of himself for financial need, for medical need, for spiritual need, and for confidential need. So after this break, please stay tuned for a great moment in wall breaking history. This is episode 14, and let's call it something very fitting, The Big Appointment. It's an unusually cold and rainy May day in 1934. A man stands at a window in a hotel in New York City, looking outside at the pedestrians running back and forth, the amass of streetcars, the other sirens, and the horses going by. He wishes he was in California. This man has an appointment, and he's very nervous. He's sipping his coffee while looking once, twice, three times at the phone on the nightstand. It's exactly 10.31 a.m. when the phone rings, like a blistering avalanche to his aoral senses. He kicks the phone receiver off with his index and middle finger and puts it to his ear. Mr. Chandler? He hears on the other line. Mr. Chandler, the car that you asked for is waiting outside for you. It's time for your appointment. He hangs up the phone without a noise, looks at the provided table for him in the Hotel Ansonia that he's staying at, and gathers up his papers, specifically a manuscript that he's carrying with him. He takes the back stairs down four flights 
out into the lobby, through the revolving doors, and into the rain-soaked New York late morning. He gets in the cab and drives exactly five blocks uptown on Broadway to the Equitable Life Assurance Building. And he goes in, takes the lobby elevator up seven flights to the Claims and Purchasing Division. But you see, this man Chandler, he's not here for life insurance. No, he's not here to file a claim either. He walks in, and on the right he sees a desk with a rather plainly dressed secretary of 19 or 20. He walks over to her, he says, hello, my name is, and she says, we know your name, we've been waiting for you. Please, have a seat. Mr. McGillicuddy will be right with you. The man sits down. He's awash in self-doubt. He knows as he thinks to himself how much he wants a drink, that if he doesn't get this particular job passed through, he's going to need a lot more than a drink. He's sitting there to himself, thinking about all the things that are wrong in his life, how his humble upbringing and American background, although he was educated in England, left him never good enough. How his mother always demanded so much from him, and how he couldn't even marry his wife, now sick, until his mother died because she was older than he. He's not much of a writer. He's a failed insurance salesman. He's a drifter. He's a con man. He's a nothing. Why would they even think about buying something from him? He's so enwrapped in his problems that he fails to hear the secretary calling his name. Mr. Chandler? Mr. Chandler? Chandler looks up, dazed and confused. Mr. Chandler? Mr. McCullicuddy will see you now, please, sir. He steadies himself and gets to his feet. He looks down at a corridor with a rug so thick he thinks he might need a hunting knife just to wade his way through it. He walks down this corridor that's probably 15 feet but feels like 5,500, looking at interlocking skylights and gold chandeliers. He goes to the end of the hallway and sees McGillicuddy purchasing. Chandler looks down at the doorknob. It's mahogany. He thinks to himself, why, why am I in this place? I don't belong. I'm not good enough. He realizes that he must be standing outside this door for what must be 15 seconds before he grabs the handle, turns it, opens it, and walks in and looks at the desk before him. And much to his surprise, what he sees is a little boy in a propeller hat playing with a paper airplane. He is floored. He doesn't know what to do. And suddenly, he feels a slap on his back. It's McGillicuddy with a big cigar and a grin. Grabs him around the shoulder and says, <laughs> Chandler, just a little prank I thought I'd play on you. I read over your manuscript. Of course, we'd like to publish it. What have you got in mind for the name? Chandler stops and steadies himself. He thinks and sighs. The Big Sleep. The Big Sleep. Wonderful. We love it. Of course, I'm telling this story. It's slightly apocryphal. It's about Raymond Chandler, the author of The Big Sleep. 
Now, Chandler became a published uh, writer later in life. But the point of this story is not so much about Chandler himself, but to remember here in the month of May and forever going forward that even in our most insecure moments behind every door, if we want there to be, there's a little boy in a propeller hat playing with a paper airplane. Because that's really what life is. There's nothing to fear. If we fear what's in front of us, we'll never get close enough to see what it really is. So I hope to return soon with interview guests. My day job has been incredibly busy the last month. I'm sorry that I have not provided more content to you. And I know that some of you out there who are still listening, thank you. And some of you who have dropped off, I hope that I can get you back. And if I can't um, produce interviews as regularly as I want, there has to be good content for me to talk about and put out there. So I'm all open to suggestions. I think these slightly apocryphal tales of uplifting heroism can really work. They're shorter podcasts, as you'll see, only 12, 13 minutes. So if you've got a short commute or you have 10 minutes to kill and you want to throw this on, be my guest. To follow us, please go to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers or search for us on iTunes at thewallbreakers. And please, you know, if you like what we do, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell two friends. It's all word of mouth. I'm going to have more time to devote to doing great interviews and podcasts, which is what I very much want to do. Be a life field correspondent. But we also must remember the anecdotal tales of good fortune as well, because it is no small deed to affect positive change each day. But... It is one that once we do it in our own lives, we realize that it is very much worth living for. Once again, my name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode 14. And until next time, guys, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.